name of Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'll prepare a sermon for children, but I see there's no one over here unless you want to, yeah, please come forward. And I, I, will, I will call all the children up to 75 years old. But... <laughs> Have a seat anywhere. I'll ask you to come closer, but uh, I don't know if you guys take showers on Sundays or not. No, I'm just kidding, I do. Well, guys, um, you probably know that uh, uh, while I was going to uh, seminary, I also was working for the airline, um, and I became a flight attendant, and I did that job for about 22 years. And there's some perks of uh, flying for an airline, and one of them is that you get to fly for free. And, and that's awesome, you know, you, you know that it, you go to the airport and you're going to get on the flight. Well, it's not always the, the, the happiest story. Most of the time you go to the airport and the flights are full. And for us that work at the airline, we fly a standby. So we have to be the last ones getting on the plane. We have to wait until everybody gets on, on board and then we can go and, and, and board the plane. And sometimes we go to places really nice, but um, there's no way that you can get on those flights. And it's kind of frustrating, because you get to the flight and wait until last minute, and the last minute they tell you, you know what, there's no more seats on the plane. Just go like that, and oh, should I wait for the next one? And sometimes you go on the plane, and they, they, they get it, and will tell you, guys, uh, I have first class open. And you're like, yay. <laughs> But you're never going to hear anybody flying a standby saying, yay! We usually <laughs> said, as long as we have a seat on the plane, we are okay with it. That's, that's what we all said. As long as I have a, 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 a seat, or even if I can fly it on one of the wings, I'll be okay with it. <laughs> so the gospel today, um, we hear a couple guys, John and James, they were asking Jesus, hey, we want you to do what we ask of you. And Jesus was like, all right, tell me, tell me what do you want me to do for you guys? And he says, well, we want you to let us sit on the right hand and on the left hand in your kingdom. By the way, I have a joke for you too, talking about that. You want to hear it? It's got to be a joke. Father, that's time is not here, so I'll take his place. It's more than, um, you have to take a guess. Why do you guys think that um, God cannot stand from his throne? Why do you think that God cannot stand, stand up from his throne? Because Jesus is sitting on his right hand. He cannot get up, you know? <laughs> it's a Father Stan joke. <laughs> Anyways, the, 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 these two guys were asking Jesus that, and he says, you know what, in, in the kingdom of God, it's not about places, positions, it's about serving. So, and he mentioned two, a, a word in there that I did kind of like, and, and I realized the next week, we're gonna be hearing the same question that Jesus asked this time to his disciples. Next time he's gonna ask to a person that come to him and said, uh, 
Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus asked this question, what do you want me to do for you? And that was the same question he asked to his disciples today. Um, so I would, like, I would like for you to think every time that you remember this gospel, every time that you're on the street, everywhere, um, don't think about positions when you go to places like in the church, serving in the church. Don't always think about getting positions, but what can we do? Um, there's a president of the United States at some point that says, it's not what your country can do for you, but it's what you can do for your country. So keep that in mind and say every time that you're in church or at home to, with your parents, say dad or mom or here in the church, what can I do for you? We're going on, on, when you're in, in your classes with your classmates, okay? Or people that you see on the streets, just tell them, what can I do for you? To finish, uh, I know a person over here in this church that she comes once in a while, and I love that, because uh, I'm, 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 I go on Facebook once in a while, and every time that I go and open his page, he's asking people, how do you want me to pray for you today? And I just love that. But I, want, I would like for you guys to keep that in mind and say that, you know, from now on, it's now what people can do for me or, 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 or how can I uh, uh, get positions and places, but what can I do for you? So we're going to go to that with that word in our minds and our hearts. What can we do for everybody? Okay? Good? We're good. Uh, no packages for you today either, so you, you're staying with your partners today. Thank you, John. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Oh, good morning. <laughs> so, I was not scheduled to preach this Sunday. I, I had uh, another date signed to me at the beginning of the year. But about a month ago, Father Stan came to me and he asked me to change dates. Uh, it happens every year at some point in time, not a big deal, I said yes. And then I did something I normally do not do. Normally I open the scriptures that I'm preaching on on the Sunday before I preach. And I read those words and I begin to live those words. I begin to feel those words. They become a part of my mind as I try to hear the Holy Spirit give a message that I'm delivered to you. But I made the mistake of looking at these scriptures a month ago. <laughs> and so for a month, for a month, Job, has lived in my mind. <laughs> Job. Yes. The testing of our faith. Right? And so, I am so glad to be doing this sermon today. I'm glad I can focus on something else after we finish this day. But let me share with you a little bit of what God shared with me as I thought about 
and experienced what God had to say to me as I studied Job. Now, we've been reading Job for several weeks. In fact, uh, the final reading from Job will be next Sunday. And in this particular reading that we have today, God is responding to Job's questions, basically by asking him, who do you think you are? Ah, really, actually, the focus is on him. Don't you remember who you're speaking to? I am God. And if you go through and you read the scripture for today, you'll see there are a series of questions there that God asks. But that's at the end of the story. I went back to the beginning of the story and I read from the beginning and there it was, God in heaven with the devil. The devil is real. You know, we live in a modern world where things that are spiritual are things that we, we, we don't like to talk about. We like to set aside, we like to ignore. We read through them and pass them and move on to live in the real world. We want to live in a real world. But here it is, the devil and God, and God holds up the faithfulness of Job as an example. And God said, well, he wouldn't really be faithful if you hadn't blessed him, if you hadn't given him a family, if you hadn't given him wealth, if you hadn't given him influence, if you hadn't given him health, if I were to take all of those things away from him, he would curse your name. And God allowed Satan to do so. Spiritual warfare is a real thing. And Job experienced it. Job experienced it in a powerful way as little by little he lost everything that the blessings of God had given him. And his family came and said, curse God. And his friends came and said, it's all your fault, you sinned. And he cries out to God, but he does not. Curse God. He praises God, even in the midst of his questions. As I was looking at the torments that he went through, spiritual warfare is a real thing. And I say that to you not just because I read through Job for the last month. I tell you that because in the last month I've experienced my own little taste nowhere near to the extent that Job experienced the own little taste of spiritual warfare. Every day, for three weeks, a new crisis, health crises, job crises, oh my goodness, insurance crises. <laughs> Bob's out there somewhere, thank you Bob, there he is. He's, Otherwise, I would be in bad shape. I've had a lot of tests and a lot of trials. 
You know, Job is known for the patience of Job. And I got to try to practice that over the last month, the patience of Job. I'm just telling you, I'm, I'm not to Job's level. I'm not to Job's level. But reading Job and being surrounded by people who prayed for me, thank you again, Bob, prayed for me, encouraged me, lifted me up, I managed to get all the way to this sermon <laughs> to share with you that spiritual warfare is a real thing. We don't live in an ideal world. I mean, we know how God designed it to be, but we live in the real world, a world of war, a world of famine, a world divided, man against man, nation against nation. We live in a world filled with pestilence, disease, COVID. We live in a world filled with tests. From our birth all the way until our death, we live in a world filled with tests. And I read a little Oswald Chambers along the way. He's one of my favorite authors. And I read a little Oswald Chambers as I was preparing for this sermon. And of course, he describes Job as, as really the, the classic teaching on how to suffer. How to suffer. How do, you, how do you endure through the suffering? What should be your mindset? What should be your approach? And Job is the model. I have more work to do, but Job is the model of that suffering in the Old Testament. But of course, in the New Testament, the model of that suffering is Jesus. Jesus, the servant king. Jesus, perfect. Jesus, who gave up everything to be a human being here on the earth. Jesus, who suffered all of the trials, all of the trials that man suffers. And he is the perfect example of what it means to go through suffering. He's the perfect model. And his death on the cross, of course, redeems us. If I go back and I look at Job, I see Job questioning, why does evil exist? Why am I experiencing these things? And guess what? God's not going to answer that question for us. Is it because you've sinned? Wasn't in the case of Job because he sinned? It was because the devil was out to ruin his life. It was spiritual warfare. But did God explain all of that to Job? No. No, our suffering is simply something we have to learn to endure. It's, it is not something caused by God, but it is something that God uses in order to prepare us for life in the kingdom of God.
We don't get to escape the suffering. Being a Christian doesn't mean you're blessed to escape all suffering. It's something that we have to go through. You know, Job, noted for his patience, gave these famous words in uh, uh, one of his earlier responses. Job arose and rent his mantle, shaved his head, fell upon the ground and worshiped and said, naked came I out of my mother's womb and naked shall I return. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I want you to notice in the midst of his suffering where Job has focused his attention because his focus is not on what he has lost. His focus is on God and he feels blessed to have received all of the blessings that he had in his life because he knew he didn't deserve any of those things. Of course, you know the end of the story. God restores all. But in the midst of reading through Job, which I have read many times in my life, I found something that uh, I suppose I must have overlooked. Job longs for a mediator somebody to come and save him from his suffering. And in Job 19, verse 25, he says this, For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. This is Job, you understand, the oldest of the written books of the Bible, Job knows Jesus. He knows he has a savior and he knows that the time will come when he will stand on the earth. The power of that faith from the Old Testament So if we were to flip forward and we were to look at Hebrews today at our reading, we see who God is. God asked all of those questions of Job. Who do you, do you know who I am? Do you know that I'm the creator of the universe? Where were you when these things happened? But here in the New Testament, Hebrews tells us that we have a high priest. And we have a high priest that does not have to make sacrifices for his own sins. Because he came down from heaven and then he lived a life in which he went through all of the testings of his age and yet remained perfect. And because of that perfection, 
He is able to be our advocate, our mediator, our redeemer. Because of that perfection, he's able to send to us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit in us is able to cover us with the blood of Jesus, to wipe away all of our sins, and then to fill us with that spirit so that we can be servants in the kingdom just as our king has served. I found it interesting to look at the Gospel of Mark today, at James and at John, the question that Father Oscar mentioned earlier, who among us, who among us can relate to this? Teacher, we want you to do whatever we ask you. In the midst of spiritual warfare, to cry out and say, God, help me. Right? We understand the spiritual part of that. But James and John aren't asking about spiritual things. Seems that Satan has snuck through the back door, even with the disciples. They're not focused on the work in the kingdom now. They are teenagers after all. They are looking forward and thinking about power and influence. Who gets to sit at the left hand? Who gets to sit at the right? I wonder how Satan wiggled that into their minds. As Matthew mentions the mother. Maybe the mother brought that up. I don't know. But spiritual warfare is a real thing. I want you to notice what Jesus did. See, we think about how God responded to Job. Were you there when I created the foundations of the earth? Here's what Jesus did. Jesus reminded them of their work in the kingdom in front of them right now. Are you able to drink my cup? Are you able to be baptized in the baptism that I was baptized in? You know, that those verses come right after he's told them he's going to be crucified. Let me just say that to you again. Jesus has just told them for the third time he's going to be crucified. And what is on the mind of James and John? It's not the suffering of Jesus. It's not even their own role and their own path forward if Jesus suffers and dies as he just said it is. They're asking about the left hand and the right hand. And I couldn't help but chuckle on Friday at school during my conference period while I'm studying for this sermon because I do this every day until the sermon comes. I'm studying the verses and the announcements come on and we go through the announcements and it's a Christian school and we have prayer. And it's a beautiful prayer. Until the last sentence. Yes. 
Oh, Lord, please help us win the homecoming game. <laughs> that was not a Father Stan joke. That was the real thing. And I thought to myself, yes. And somebody on the other side is saying that same prayer. We get pulled by the things of the world. I imagine there were a few Aggies pray, praying that way during the Alabama game, right? Because it would be a miracle. This, but, but this is it. We get pulled by the things of the world. Instead of focusing on the work and the kingdom that we have now, we're, we're being the, the humans and the sinners that we are. And we ask for things that aren't going to bring glory to God and that aren't going to bring uh, more people into the kingdom of God. And notice, Jesus, Jesus doesn't criticize them for their prayer. He tells them, there's nothing I can do. He tells you and me, that's not what it's about. Can you drink the cup that Jesus Frank, can you, can you, will you be baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit? Will you become part of the people of God? Will you lay down your life for working the kingdom right here, right now? God wants a people whose whole heart is devoted to him. People like Job, people like David, people who aren't perfect, people who sometimes ask for things they ought not to ask for. And God takes us where we are and he says, are you willing to be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit for work in his kingdom in this parish, right now. So that's my prayer for us in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.